So hi, one of the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with Nate from Raccoon Tour. And we're asking questions say about their upcoming album, The Denton Weaver. I got it. Uh, so congrats go. on that, by the way. <laughs> How do you feel about the response to the announcement so far? Singles, whatever. I know you guys haven't even announced it yet, so that's a really awkward question. So actually, well, how no, are you feeling be- about it? No, no, because you <laughs> tweeted about it, but it's like, I haven't found an official announcement, so that's why I wrote it that way, but yeah. Yeah, you're we good. Were prepared. Um, for for the folks listening, I guess we're recording this on October 14th, so we mm-hmm. haven't released the music video or announced anything yet. Um, I'm certain it's going to be a pretty positive response. At least I hope. I'm working on this for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been sharing it with a few friends, and the response from them has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, so that makes me very excited and hopeful and hopefully they're not just saying nice things because they're my friends (laughs) well i listened to it earlier and it was pretty fucking good so we met about five minutes ago so yeah oh wonderful yeah yeah it was very it was very good i actually really enjoyed it so um, thank you of course uh so is there any meaning behind the album name or cover art Basically, uh, the Denton Weaver is a loose concept album about a lot of the adventures that I went on as a teenager growing up in rural Idaho. And my first band, we always used to meet on a street corner. That's where their house was, Denton and Weaver. I remember looking outside one day and I was like, that'd be a really cool name for an album. (laughs) Um, It doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning and significance beyond that. And I just think it sounds cool. Maybe some 14 year old kid on t- uh, Twitter will fill in the blanks for me. <laughs> this is why it's significant. So I'm like, yeah, you are right. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. And uh, <laughs> the album cover. The album cover. Um, that's actually a really cool story. I grew up, um, my house had one story and then you had a bonus room upstairs. And I slept in the bonus room. So I just had this bird's eye view all the way down the street to this cul-de-sac. It's called Trophy Street. Um, And basically, the album cover is the view I had from my bedroom. As in, I took a photo before I left that house. I sent it to Sarah Renyers, uh, who's working as my graphic designer right now. She has the trees, the houses all in the same place. It's just a little fantastical more fantastic than i you know than it probably was so it's it's a very intimate album because i spent eight years writing this as i was going through all the stuff um you know this is my high school baby you Mm -hmm. know it's it's the album that i think i'd be obsessed with if i was 14 and that's always been the the mindset going into it you know all right well, yeah. now, eight years later, it's finally coming out. Yeah. Very exciting. Holy shit, it is, isn't it? Um, yep. So can you tell us a little bit about your writing process for this album? Basically, God, that... Because I've been listening to your podcast. I'm like, they normally ask this, this, this. I'm very this, sorry to hear that you've been answers. listening to us. Yeah, why? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I actually think you guys are wonderful. Thank um, you. I've, Thank I've been you. wanting to come on this podcast for like the past year and a half. I think you guys are great. Remember when you um, us on basically, <laughs> yeah, we've been mutuals for ages. Yeah. Basically, I'm sorry for that. Being my turn, mutual. <laughs> basically. <laughs> I think okay, we're sorry for a lot of things part. here. Yeah. Both, both Apologies all around. Yeah. yeah. 
let's get apologies out of the way. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm sorry. Okay, on with the podcast. <laughs> um, basically, like I said, this has been happening over the past decade. Um, I wrote my first song, so far I'm running. I was trying to cover Sleeping Lessons by the Shins on ukulele, and I just did something totally different, um, which is why it's only two chords and just repeats over and over and over. <laughs> um, but... You know, just over the years, you'd get like a little tune popping into your head at random and like the shower, you know, do, 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 do. And you're like, oh, that's catchy. So I will whip out my phone and I'll just hum it awkwardly into my microphone. And I just do that for months and months and months. And then I sit down and I'm like, I feel like writing a song. So I dig through that voice memo list. And I'm like, well, this sounds cool. And then I find something else. I'm like, you know, this could be a cool bridge for this. And I, these turn into like Frankenstein monsters of different ideas. And I think that leads to more interesting songs, I guess. Normally when I listen to music, I can tell if someone just kind of forced an element in, you know, like, is that the best thing you could have done? And I don't know. I, I worry about that. So I make a very conscious effort to keep things um, interesting anyway. I'm so terrified of losing people's attention. It might just be a YouTuber. In me. <laughs> you know, I, I just worry that my audience is like a goldfish. And generally that leads to interesting content. I know people have longer attention spans, but gosh darn it. You know, it just seems easier to fight and fight and fight and go overboard in that department. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah, the Frankenstein thing, just writing down little lyrical one-liners and stuff like that. Oh, my God. You should see the things I had when I was 14 years old. Those get pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, a lot of them did not make the album, thank God. Oh, That's so unfortunate. Man. It's, no, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Yeah, I think with the Frankenstein, it's kind of just like a big scrapbook of a lot of different ideas. And then eventually just sit down and glue them all together. You know, I think that's how a few of my friends do it, too. You know, and coincidentally, those seem to be the people who inspire me the most as well. All right. I like that. It sounds good. So I want you to tell us your favorite lyric off this album and the meaning behind it. Well, I was also expecting this question and I've been mulling over it for like the past three days. They're going to ask me this. What do I say? What do I say? Um, And I have decided, um, you know what? Gosh, darn it. I'm the guest. I can bend the rules a little bit. I don't have a favorite lyric, nothing Mm -hmm. that I just wrote. And I was like, dang, this is crazy because everything is kind of, everything kind of feeds off of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, I think lyrically, it's not released yet. My favorite lyrical piece of content overall is Mount Hecla, um, which is on the album. It's not a single or anything, but it is just this really dense, dense, <laughs> tense song where I don't think we repeat any lyrics. It's just a straightforward shot of a song and the lyrics cover uh, kind of this, weird mishmash of romance politics mental health and how the three kind of just bounce around in my head and in a lot of aspects of my life and we kind of frame it through um an old relationship i had um 
you know, we're not together anymore, but I feel like the emotions and dynamics that we had are just kind of universal in everything else I do. Um, I don't know. The, the album in my head is a lot more politically leaning than it probably sounds on the, you know, outset. Mm -hmm. And it really delves into capitalism, not, you know, picking apart theory or anything, but more so the practical stuff, what comes with, you know, being gentrified out of your neighborhood and the angst and the culture that comes out of that and the instability in your relationships uh, in your early twenties and all the shit that comes with that. And, you know, we adopt these far left leaning uh, stances and that kind of thing. And I'll be the first on rooftops yelling, hey, let's torch Jeff Bezos. <laughs> um, we literally have a lyric saying, shit, it's, a, it's in one of the choruses, ignite billionaires like witches is literally what we say um, in one of the choruses in a little back and forth. It's so fun. Um, but the thing is, I, am I really going to torch Jeff Bezos? You know, are <laughs> any of us going to actually do something about this? I think a lot of this extreme rhetoric just comes down to this deep sadness um, that we all kind of have with the whole situation at large. And I feel like Mount Hecla is just kind of me word vomiting all of these random thoughts and kind of tying them with a love song, though. You know, yeah. if it was just a straight love song, I probably would just cut it. But <laughs> I think it had some, you know, I think it had a little bit more depth. And I think it's my favorite lyrical piece of content on the album. All right. All Perfect. Right. We'll take that answer. Uh, so how'd the track list for the album come about? Did you write the opener be the opener, closer be the closer? Just kind of shuffle it around. Holy what was your process shit. for that? Holy shit. You guys just opened up Pandora's box oh, and you God. had no idea. Tell us everything. The track listing was surprisingly contentious. Um, I knew, shit, this is another weird thing I do that I don't know anyone else who does this. I make playlists in Spotify and I find a song that I feel matches the vibe or feeling or energy of a song I'm working on. And I just put it here and I find a different song and I'm like, okay, so this is the so far and running song. I use sleeping lessons. Probably this is the Mount Hecla song. I probably use fake you out by 21 pilots. Um, you know, and I just compile the track listing like that so I can visualize it before I've even heard the music. And then I think of it conceptually and thematically. And I'm like, okay, this, 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 this. I get very in-depth. I wrote essays and essays. And when the time came for me to pitch everything to the record label, I was like, okay, this is why it's going to be this. And this is why everything, there's lore. There's a fucking 60-page <laughs> manga. Yeah. It needs to be like this. And, you know, they listen to it and they're like, yeah, but we want the fun song first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No! Oh my God. And we talked about this for months and months. And to be fair, I don't think I did a very good job communicating to my record label how strongly I feel about this stuff. Um, probably in their eyes, because I didn't make it super clear until one meeting. Um, they thought this was just a fun collection of songs I wrote, but I'm like, no, we literally have a lore Bible that's 60, 70 pages long 
describing every song, how they play off of each other. Uh, we have the plot lineup for a graphic novel, if I ever wanted to make one, oh. that goes in depth. And I said, holy cow. And th- I just sprung this on my poor record label one day. And they were like, holy shit. Like, what did we get Eventually, ourselves into? <laughs> I, I told y'all. <laughs> yeah. So track listing. Um, we came up with a compromise that I'm pretty happy with. We are going to do the Spotify cut, you know, Apple Music, all that jazz. And we're going to do a director's cut. Mm. So we're going to have one version where let's just say someone is fucking around on TikTok. They hear a song. So, uh, sorry, Sarah did pretty good. That was pretty exciting. Um, they find a song. They listen to us on Spotify. We have one track listing that's just like, this is fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. But if you buy the record on vinyl or Bandcamp or something, you will be getting the director's cut, which will be my preferred uh, track listing that is totally manga appropriate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know of any other band that has ever done that, I guess. No, I I've, I've never it. heard of that. It's going to be a fun experiment. I want to see, you know, I don't think everybody really gives a gosh darn hoot about what my dumb characters are up to in this crazy overarching story about class warfare and the you know relation blah 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 no one gives a shit about that or not a lot of people give a shit about that but i want something to be there for the people who do you know Mm -hmm. i want there to be depth if you're interested when you write an album for eight years your head inevitably disappears up your butt (laughs) and so you come up with weird stuff like this so yes the track listing there's going to be two and way too much thought and time went into it. And we will definitely be exploring the significances of everything and probably post-launch content, you know, just really digging into the lore. I put way too much thought and effort into the storyline of the album to just dismiss it. Okay. You know? That's fair. Um, now I'm interested. To, I'm going to assume that the stream we got was uh, the Spotify cut and not the director's cut. Now I'm interested to know what the director's cut is. Yes. Um, So the Spotify track listing starts with Horror Show. I think you guys heard the Spotify list, Yeah, that was the first one. In the director's cut, it starts with the song Denton Weaver. Oh, no. In my head, that is the perfect opener for the album. Always has been. Um, I, I think that song is probably my favorite off the album and i i yeah we start with denton weaver then we move on to mount hecla converse county uh, we'll have it posted on social media and that kind of thing um just at risk of you know just rambling but yeah the director's cut is very much thematically and ambiently minded as opposed to the spotify which i feel is a little bit more energy Mm -hmm. oriented if that makes sense Mm -hmm. just really bombastic at the beginning and then it kind of slows down in the second half picks right back up uh the director's cut kind of just has like a u-shape you know where it starts crazy kind of vibes and it picks right back up again just very subtle differences but they mean a lot to me and hopefully they'll mean a lot to just a few fans who really 
take the time and give a darn about this project. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I want. Just validation. Just someone look at this and say, huh, that's pretty neat. That's all I want. <laughs> that's valid. Would you recommend or encourage your fans to kind of make their own playlist with their own personal track list? Like, ooh, I actually prefer this song next to this song. Or do you think that they should stick to the two that you've put out? Well, when you make a piece of artwork and you just throw it publicly, it's not yours anymore. Um, And so if somebody listens to the Denton Weaver and they're like, huh, this is neat and all, but Nate's idea sucks. My idea is a lot cooler. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can go for it. That's fine. I'm not going to sue you or anything. You can make all the different, you know, track listings you want, I'd say, with any other album. Uh, Just bear in mind, mine's canon, but you can do whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, I'm being tongue in cheek right now. Um, I guess all that to say, um, it's not something that I really have in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. in my head, it's a little bit more closed and shut and you're done. uh, Straightforward. But if someone really takes the time, digs into it and finds something else that works for them, that they get a lot of meaning out of, I say the hell yeah. That just means you're paying attention. I'm really flattered. Good answer. It's a good answer. So what song off this record took the longest to write and which one is your personal favorite? Holy cow. Um, I would say none of the songs really took all that long to write per se, because I don't know, they're all McFrankensteins and they all just kind of had their time, I guess. It's just all the elements are always there. It's just one day you decide to put them all together. So I don't really know how to gauge the length of time, but I can tell you what song did take the longest to record. Um, It was Denton Weaver, which is going to be our second single. Um, So folks will be able to listen to it not long after this podcast comes out. But holy cow, the, that song is full of jazz chords and tons of dynamic, weird changes. It's all over the place. It's like five minutes long. It's a behemoth of a song. (laughs) It is intense to play and it was even more intense to record um it was a very arduous journey and we wound up re-recording it like three or four times god damn um one time you know that i'm not happy with the tone another time i'm not happy with this performance another time it's just too slow um and i feel the last time he really nailed it um (laughs) Did I mention that we've recorded this album like three or four times? Oh, this. Oh, I I tried to drop that, didn't I? We've re-recorded this album three or four times over Why? the span of three years or so. Uh, well, like I said, I, I've been writing this for eight years and I have mm-hmm. such high expectations for this project. Um, and I've just been hyping it to the moon and back since like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's almost 2022 and it's finally coming. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you just, I have a YouTube channel with 316,000 subscribers and I get really nervous about putting things on there. If it's going to be seen by that many people, it needs to not be, you know, perfect. And we just haven't been able to get it to my vision of perfect yet. Um, until we were finally like, fuck it. We're going to New Jersey. 
We're working with uh, an amazing producer, engineer, Brett Romnes. We also worked with The Front Bottoms, uh, brand new, rest in peace, McCafferty, super rest in peace. Um, you know, he, he, he worked with a lot of the emo bands I listened to growing up, although a lot of them are canceled now. Um, oof, darn, bad decisions. And... Um, but he was amazing, fantastic. He'd been working on this with us for years and years too. So he kind of knew what he was doing. I'd say our recording sessions in New Jersey last November were just the perfect storm of, we know what we're doing. It's just a matter of getting it done. It's no more finoodling around in studio anymore. We're here to get shit finished. Oh. Um, yeah. So Denton Weaver took the longest and it's also my favorite off the album. Uh, no candle in my eyes. Well, Converse County, I think, comes close. That'll be another single. Mm-hmm. Since you said like you've got such high expectations for this project, it took you almost a decade to put this album together. Oof. Do you think that's going to be a problem for future albums? Oh, no, no. Are you sure? I absolutely. I am totally certain. Do you because have, like, the four thing is already. <laughs> Oh my God, you have no idea. I have been so over the Denton Weaver for the past two years. And now we're finally starting it. And I'm like, well, don't you guys want to hear this new album? And they're like, no. No. Let's get get this over with. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. um, The thing is, Denton Weaver has just demanded so much of my attention and care and just weird sense of precision in everything. Um, but future stuff, I feel, doesn't really have that significance per se. Not to say that I think it's bad or anything. It's just it doesn't have this weight attached to it where mm-hmm. I can be a little bit more fun, a little bit more experimental. And, you know, I've been writing music nonstop the past few years and all the new stuff I feel is, in my opinion, you know, I don't want to go down that road. I'm just very excited for future projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right now's not the time to say dang you guys thought denton weaver was good wait till your album number two <laughs> let's talk about denton weaver <laughs> um so where is your headspace at while you're writing creating recording everything with this album because i know it's been a decade so where has my headspace been over the past 10 years mm-hmm. i would say girls in high school um angry later on in high school sad later on in high school um confused and terrified and realizing that capitalism is horrible in my you know after that weird phase where you graduate high school and you have those few months like what the fuck (laughs) what the fuck do i do (laughs) it's just this deep existential terror what the hell is everything when do i start um god um where was my headspace? It was everywhere. I was growing up and this has always been in the back of my head. And so I feel like the album has a pretty wide emotional range because of that. Some songs I wrote when I was 14, some songs I wrote when I was 20. Um, and they're all over the place. And um, yeah, my headspace has been all over cause it's just very personal to me. It's kind of like a little diary, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's valid, right? 
So how do you recommend your fans to listen to this album for the first time? Should they put some headphones on, turn off the lights, just kind of be immersed? Should they play it in the car with friends? Should they blast (laughs) it at a party? What do you recommend? I would say with any other album, you listen to it however you gosh darn want. Mm -hmm. I've been working on this for a decade. Yeah. If they want the album experience, I would say find the nicest pair of headphones you got um i've been listening to the album on the sony xb i think 4000 or something like that 150 they're amazing mm-hmm. uh find some really nice bass heavy headphones the bass lines on here are wild that i never noticed dang my bass player's wonderful <laughs> um thanks andy <laughs> and Hi, so andy. you know just i'll be posting visualizers for everything just You know, I put a lot of thought and time into the look of this album, the feel of the album. So I would say if you really want the Denton Weaver experience, I would say check it out on YouTube. I'll be posting the whole album on my channel. Um, Visualizers, take it all in. I would highly recommend the director's track listing if you're interested in digging into it thematically. Um, You know because most people don't really listen to albums anymore. It's mostly singles and playlists and that kind of thing. But if you're the album type, you know, you're generally picking it apart a little bit. So I would definitely recommend the director's cut. If you're the album picker aparter type, if that makes sense. All right. You know, uh, so discussion should be super, super quick off the top of your head. I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words, no more, no less. Three words. Mm-hmm. Eight years fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, Hecra, but gay. Um, There's a Hecra feature, too. Am I allowed to say there that? There is a Hecra feature. Oh. Yes, you absolutely are. Okay. That'll okay. be on the music video that you guys saw. Um, mm-hmm. Horror show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was... I, my God. The incredible night holy shit it was raining outside we went to you know we were in the studio we took a break we all went to go see the new scary stories and tell in the dark movie mm-hmm. um which i've been looking forward to for months and months and months uh we saw the movie it was great we come outside it's raining it's thundering i check my email and i get an email from hecker saying hey buddy i sent you voice clips i was like holy shit we got to go back to the studio and listen to this <laughs> yeah and so we drop everything into the timeline i was like holy shit we have an underground legend hecra on this fucking song oh my god and you know just the night where we got to listen to hecra's voice singing along was euphoric it was amazing mm-hmm. um yeah and three more i would say capitalism death vandalism all right perfect there you go you got wow. nine words to describe the album now go listen to it when exactly. it's out of course <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> absolutely uh, so is there a certain feeling or emotion you want this album to invoke in your listeners i would say nostalgia mm-hmm. um not like the stranger things nostalgia not like you know space jam 2 oh, or anything like that god no <laughs> god. i more so revisiting your hometown and saying that you know it's been completely converted into a 
chain store wasteland. Oh. You know, there's kind of a, a sadness to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, did that hit a little <laughs> too close to home? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that too. I was mm. like, Kuna's never going to get a Wendy's and we got a Wendy's. <laughs> Good thing I moved out. <laughs> um, you know, but the thing is that malaise, that melancholy that you feel is all the adventures that you had when you were a kid. It was the great community that was once there, you know, and I think our generation is going to be feeling that. I think we're not as disillusioned as millennials. I'd say we're more disillusioned like Gen X, millennials and that kind of thing, where we're a lot more sensitive to it. And we can tell when there's corporate bullshit being fed to us. And I think that our generation probably has the best chance of, you know, fighting it the best we can. Um, And there's something kind of empowering about that. You know, that nostalgia of all the good stuff you had, realizing it's changing. um, And the sadness that you feel because of that is all the good stuff that you once did have. What are you going to do about it? All right. That was very good. Uh, Oh, thank you. Sword band artist influence you think you can hear the most on this album, if any? I generally tell people, imagine the used meets Cave Town. Okay. That's which is almost spot on. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And definitely a little bit of Hecra, but I'm not talented enough to really have the Hecra influences show. Um, I am. I, I like to chat with Hecker every now and then. Um, he and I, we go way back. We're like best friends. Of course. Um, I, I love and adore Hecker. I think he's my favorite musical artist. Um, this podcast is probably just going to be me gushing about Hecker. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I really love about his music in particular, it's all on Spotify right now, by the way, um, for anyone who wants to listen to it. Uh, everything that he does kind of nails the vibe that sense of nostalgia community uh malaise that i'm going for perfectly i'm kind of just kind of chasing how that makes me feel i want to make other people feel that um he's just damn he's incredible so i'd say the hecra vibes are just more so in terms of aesthetic um how he tells stories how personal and kind of scrapbooky everything he does feels that's kind of what i go for as well I just wish I was good enough at guitar to be a proper Hecra ripoff, you know? All right. So what is your favorite memory that you made while creating this record? Um, boy. I reached out to a friend who I booked a show with him ages and ages ago. And I was like, hey, man, do you know how to record music? I was like 17 years old and he was like, yeah, I know how to do that. I was like, can you like help me with this album? I'll pay you like $700. And he was like, yeah, I'll do that. And so he didn't realize it, but he would spend the next two years (laughs) working on this thing for $700. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, Jordan. And the thing is, we wound up spending a lot of time together. We wound up bonding and creating a really great friendship. You know, we used to be a really, you know, an acquaintance. And getting to know him, getting to know the community that he was a part of, uh, everything we did was in his hometown. It was like an hour and a half away from my house. 
and I didn't know how to drive. So he would drive all the way to my place and then all the way back. This man is an angel wow. and a saint. He, Jordan Thornquest is an amazing, brilliant, phenomenal engineer, producer, performer, and friend. And I think my favorite memory was spending all this time with him, um, kind of bonding with him. Um, and just for clarification, I have paid him a bit more okay. <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect. I'm like, I'm not just going to do 700. I, you know, if I got it like a nice paycheck, but like, Hey, Jordan, psst, thank you. Psst, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just say immersing myself in Twin Falls, Idaho and Jordan's community and getting to know him has been amazing. Probably my favorite memory. I like That's that so a lot. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so picture this, you're on tour, you're at a gas station for a rest stop. What is your snack choice? Gas station hot dogs slap. And I don't okay. care what comedy movies say. I don't care what people in Facebook memes like, ew, guess no, that shit slaps. Okay. Like they have everything you need to load that motherfucker up. I'm not going to buy fucking relish and put it in my fridge. I'm going to Jackson's. They have it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I might also get like a protein bar because I worry about getting enough protein. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of boring. I, I just really like gas station hot dogs. No, actually you live life on the edge. You're the first yeah. person I've ever met that trusts a gas station hot dog i mean no, i'm not suicidal i won't do really yeah we got another person who said they'd want a gas station hot dog like People yesterday fucked was, up. yeah so you're the second person <laughs> ever on this podcast to be like "Ooh, gas station hot dog so <laughs> i i'm not suicidal i will not do sushi though that's just okay good. that's too much yeah, yeah that on. crosses the line come on maverick where's that fish from <laughs> where'd you get that uh, so on the topic of food, if this project was a dish, what dish would it be? I would say when you go over to grandma's house and you're spending the night there, you're six years old, grandma's watching you because your mom's working. You don't realize all the sacrifices she's making. You wake up and grandma's so excited. She cooks you pancakes. They're a little overdone. They're a little crunchy. But in your head, you kind of grow to love those crunchy pancakes. Because grandma woke up super early and she wanted to surprise you in bed. And she covers them with room temperature maple syrup and on plates probably older than your mom is. And you just eat breakfast in bed and you make a mess. And then you go watch cartoons and you don't realize it. But grandma stays in that room and cleans up the mess you made. And she has no bad thoughts, no bad feelings in her heart towards you for making that mess. That's the feeling I want people to have. Or that's the dish. It's grandma's pancakes. Okay. Oh my god. I feel like you just shared a very deep memory with us. Yeah. Well, I never made messes though. Okay. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So, where do you see the band in the next five years? Will you be halfway through LP two? Oh God, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next two weeks. Um. Shit. Where are we going to be in five years? Um. Either I'll be dead or, you know, we'll be on like album three or four, or I might get a real job. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I would love for this to become my job, but I'm not stupid. Music is a stupid career choice. Um, I'm giving it my all. 
I, I have uh, really wonderful support systems to help this last five years. Um, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'd love for this to be five years, but you know, I, I have no goddamn clue. Hopefully we still exist. All right. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry. That's kind of anticlimactic. No, Better fine. hope your label doesn't watch this far, because they're gonna be like, "What is he? What do you mean he doesn't want to do music full time?" <laughs> sorry, Rob. Sorry, Gabby. Sorry, Alex. You guys are great. Thank you for your help. I'm terrified. <laughs> cool. Nice way to clear it up. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so for these last couple questions, we're actually gonna shift away from music, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Six. So we're gonna go straight to death row. Boom. Woo-hoo. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? I want you to think back to when you're about five or six years old at Grandma's house. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it's spaghetti that, that she oh cooked way too long. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen, Grandma, the pancakes were endearing, but this is gross. <laughs> exactly. Come on. Why is the sauce like almost black? How long could you cook this for? <laughs> I was listening to the interview you guys did with Hey I Love You and I think it was them who had said this really cool answer like I'm going to eat glass I'm going <laughs> to eat a glass bust in the shape of the person who ratted me out I love Hey I Love You go listen to Hey I Love You um, listen I'm a simple boy I really like um, freaking I like steak. I like lobster. If these people are going to gosh darn kill me, I'm going to milk them for everything that they're worth. I'm going to get the most expensive shit I can. And every serial killer needs like a 12 pack of Coke. That's just a recurring theme, I guess. I wonder how Coke feels about that brand recognition. And I'm just going to maybe get like the messiest thing I can on the side just to throw at the prison warden when he comes Mm -hmm. in. Mm-hmm. It's like a last fuck you. I mean, what else can they do? You're gonna kill me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of boring. I just want good food, and I want to take all the money, and I want to uh, make the prison warden look like he pooped himself. Mm. Okay. All right. It's a good one. Uh, so if you could live in one fictional world for a week, where would you live? Shit. Um. Oh my god, I do have a really good answer. I was prepared for this one. Okay. okay, good. Have you guys ever heard of that song? I'm the scat man. You know that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Glory knows. Mm-hmm. Um, scat man is this scat. You're probably like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I'll explain it. Um, scat man is this musical artist. And he's kind of like a one-hit wonder. Todd in the Shadows did a great video on him. And in his music, he has this fictional nation, this fictional world called Scatland. Do Mm. not Google Scatland, by the way. Yeah, I... (laughs) And in Scatland, everybody loves each other. There's no war. Uh, There's no hatred. Everybody loves each other. Um, And people speak in Scatanese. Mm. and it's just the most wholesome wonderful utopia of a world and the thing is it's not hogwarts nothing's trying to kill me it's not cirque du freak this weird book series i love when i was a kid where also everything's trying to kill you 
not like Hunger Games are also everything's trying to kill you. It's just Scatland where everybody gets along and they're all buddies and they're all best friends. I want to live in Scatland for a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Haven't gotten that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't imagine so. Uh, so I have the honor <laughs> of asking the last question. Every single person oh, we've spoken to has actually said it is the most important question. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what is your favorite color? My favorite color? Mm-hmm. I would say chartreuse. Ooh. Okay. That's a good color. It is. It is a really great color. Um, I I know we're at the end of the podcast. I just have a quick complaint. I don't feel that was a very important question. It is. Um, it is. I think the real question mm-hmm. should be, um, why is that your favorite color? <laughs> so we should have a follow-up question? It's like, psych, this so. is actually the most important question. Yeah. Um, I think chartreuse, because it's fun to say. All right. I yeah, think that funny. was a really meaningful question. Mm-hmm. Okay. The problem is that cool. most of, if we ever ask some of these artists why, they'd look at us like we had seven heads and say, we're done with this and just yeah. leave, just even leave, though it's yeah. over. Mm-hmm. So. Well, then they're not worth your time, gosh darn it. <laughs> if someone's too good to talk about their favorite color uh, and why it's their favorite color, I don't know if they're worth talking to. They Fair have a point. stick in the mud. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Maybe I- vet. I would say before you invite people on, send them a, like a Google form and be like, hi, are you open to talking about colors? <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll not pass. On you can- exactly. Oh, yeah, you can go talk to uh, someone else. <laughs> I'm sure all these bands management would love filling out those forms before okaying oh the God. interview. <laughs> uh, oh so as Glory said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, boy, the Denton Weaver is coming out on December 3rd. Uh, we have Horror Show, which was released today. Um, I'm so terrified. <laughs> Um, I also have a YouTube channel called Nate is Lame, uh, which is doing pretty okay. Hopefully I'm uploading by the time this is out. <laughs> and, um, That'd be good. I also want to plug this really cool podcast uh, called Good Noise. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's you. doing wonders for the DIY scene. And I think they're a very valuable asset that we're all lucky to have. Thank you. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for now. This has been Nate from Raccoon Tour, and we have been the Good Noise Podcast. <laughs>